0: you're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. started with the Apostles' Creed and I was sitting over there and I thought it was really funny when John put all those pictures up of what he looked like until seven weeks later and we're still doing it. And so I kind of followed uh, Professor Leaf um, and chose some photos. This is who I think, you know, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I would like to think that I look like. Uh, That is Supergirl, Um, it's Blonde Black Widow. And then there was a season in my life when I lived somewhere else that my two best friends were Asian and a redhead, and so they often called us Charlie's Angels. But if I'm really honest, I know that that's probably not super accurate. And so this is who I actually look like. Um, That's my mom, actually. Um, I, that's her junior year photo, which some of you don't understand, but when you grow up in the town that your mom grew up in, you often get called by your mother's name. So I've gotten cards often that say Carol on them because they think it's me. And so I will go to church where my mom grew up and people will say, do you know? And I can finish. I know. I look like my mom. But the benefit is, I know what I'm going to look like when I'm 66, because I I look exactly like her. But I added a little piece this week, and I decided I'm going to add who I want to look like. I want to look like Patrick. Because who doesn't want to be P-Diddy, right? So thanks for starting that, John, and I got to finish it. So if you have been in chapel the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Apostles' Creed. And line by line, we've been examining the teachings of the Christian faith. And so today, we get to the end of the Creed, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. So we're going to start with the resurrection of the body. Death was not the original part of of God's creation. Rather, it came into creation order when Adam and Eve sinned. It's the last enemy of God's people that will be destroyed. I've been to more funerals in my life than I would have liked. I think this is in part of working in a church in nine years and getting to know a lot of people, but there was also a season in my early 20s when I attended a lot of funerals. And attending funerals can often be gut-wrenching and hard when you lose someone you love and you care about. But what's different about a funeral of someone who is a follower of Jesus is that they believe in the truth of this creedal statement. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The reality is that we will all die someday. Someday. Harsh, but true. In our faith and in our relationship with Jesus, if we don't believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, then we have nothing. We need these truths. I believe in the resurrection of the body. A key reason we believe in the resurrection of the body is because we believe in the resurrection that Jesus brings in life to his people. Jesus brings resurrection in both spiritual and new physical life that our bodies will enjoy at the resurrection. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the undeniable centering point of Christianity. It's one of the defining doctrines of our faith and the most audacious claim in history of the world. A God-man sent from heaven, crucified in the most public way, dead and buried. A dead man who called himself Almighty God lives. This is important because there is a connection between Christ's resurrection and our own. Jesus' resurrection is the guarantee of our own resurrection. One of the verses that explains this is Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Paul links the resurrection with our hope noting that if we believe Jesus rose from the dead then we also need the the dead will also be raised to life and if we deny the resurrection of the dead then we're also and thus the resurrection of the body then we're actually denying the resurrection of Jesus Jesus' resurrection is the grounds for our hope, both because he stands as the first one whose body was raised to life and because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies. So our hope is ultimately that we will be resurrected like Jesus and that our bodies will be transformed like his And so our belief in in this resurrection allows us to grieve death of fellow believers with hope. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 and 14 tells us, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So I ask you this morning, where is your hope? Is it in the resurrection of Jesus or is it in something else? Is your hope in some musical or sports accomplishment Is your hope in some relationship? Is your hope in some degree or making money? Because if your hope is in those things, it's not going to last. The only hope that we have, that we need to place, is in the hope that comes in the resurrection of Jesus. But that's not all. We also believe in life everlasting. We can't get to the end of the Apostles' Creed and and just skim right through this part. But the idea of everlasting life is is a big one, even though our earthly bodies someday will give out. The soul or the spirit lives on earth, no matter what, always beyond life here, beyond all time, forever, forever. But eternal life is not just about after death. It begins now, and it never quits. Eternal life does not mean that we will live forever, but that we will experience the life that we were designed to have. This idea of not just quantity of of forever time, but quality of this relationship with God. Therefore, eternal life is not tied to a life that continues even after death, but rather a kind of life that one has. Existence, not experience, is at the root of eternal life. The Heidelberg Catechism highlights this. It says the eternal life is not just something we look forward to when we die or when Christ returns, but, when, but something we can experience now in anticipation of a fuller experience in the future. Even, it says in the Heidelberg Catechism, even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, 1 John 5 verse 12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. What John is saying here is eternal life is not some pie in the sky by and by. It's not something that will only be experienced in the future, though it will be experienced in the future. It's not something consigned to just after the coming of Christ, though it is experienced after the coming of Christ. But rather, eternal life is something that begins in the now. Eternal life is now in Christ. John declares that believers have eternal life now in Christ. He who has the Son has life. Notice it doesn't say, he who has the Son will have the, have the life. Or he who believes in the Son now will have eternal life later. But it says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life now. Jesus prayed that we would come to know his Father John 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal or everlasting life means that eternal life is not something that begins when we die, but when we are brought into relationship with God through Christ. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. When we are brought into relationship with God, we are experiencing the quality of life that we were designed for. We are made alive and have eternal life but we still experience the attacks of our flesh and the world, and the devil draws us away from God and keeps the world away from God's design for it. Eternal life is when we say yes to to Jesus and saying yes to following after God, but it's also everlasting of the hope that we have when we die. While we experience eternal life in the present, there's also this greater experience in the future. The focus of this future hope is that we are with God and in his presence. We will return to life as it was in pre-Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the presence of God. Revelation 21 verse 3 highlights this says as I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them. God is making His home with men and women. Us. we are His people. He is our God. There is no longer any pain, there's no longer any sorrow from the world. The best part is, God is there. we will see God, and we will be with God. When my grandpa passed away in July of 2021, there was this piece of grieving, but I got to grieve as one who hoped. But there was this peace also in the grieving. That it was more than grieving, but there was this, this time where there was this wave of jealousy that came over me. Because he was in, it, it became real to me that my grandpa was in the presence of Jesus. His soul was with Jesus. And there was this piece of jealousy in me that he was in the presence of his creator, I have this, we have this eternal life experience now on earth, but his death makes us anticipate the fuller experience of everlasting life with God. We have the eternal life experience now on earth, but death makes us maybe anticipate the fuller experience of fuller everlasting life with God. And so as a result of eternal life, That we have on earth now, and the anticipation that we have of being in the presence of God, it should cause us to praise. It it should cause this praise that comes in the moment in time that our everlasting life is found in the presence of God. Like we sang, because He lives, I know I can face tomorrow which leads this place of welling in praise to the one who made us and the one who saved us, not just from our sins, but for the life he created for each of us. A life in him. And the yearning and the desire that we get to see God's face, which should be our longing in life. One of my favorite Bible passages is One of my favorite Bible passages is Psalm 27, verse 4. It says, One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I love how the passion interpretation says it. It says it this way. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh, the one thing I seek above all else. I wanna live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. Our hope is found in that we get to see God's face which should be our longing in life may our worship of God here and now point us to our eternal state so i ask you again who or where is your hope found hope isn't if your hope isn't in the resurrection of jesus body you will not have the resurrection of your body and the eternal and everlasting life that is promised us. Because we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Therefore, we believe that we will not exist as disembodied souls floating on crowds, but also that our hope is not just a renewed world, but being in the presence of God as we were meant to. So may this hope give us comfort now and also drive us to share the good news with those around us as, in we, as we live in a world that needs hope and comfort. And we finish the Apostles' Creed by saying amen. We're effectively saying that we believe these things to be true and we want to live them out. We believe the Apostles' Creed is true and we ask for God to continue to give us grace to believe and move forward in life and in faith. And we say amen to the creed. May we look to the one who is the amen, Jesus, who provides the grace and assurance to live as people of the creed. And so as we wrap up these seven weeks on the Apostles' Creed, I want to remind you, that the creed provides powerful and a meaningful way to connect with God. It serves as an expression of belief in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Through the Holy Spirit, we can affirm the truths of our faith, including the deity and resurrection of Jesus Christ. With its simple and powerful words, this creed reminds us that salvation is available through our eternal Father. So whether we are in need of comfort or looking to strengthen our faith, the Apostles' Creed is a beautiful way to open ourselves up to God's presence and grace. Or as we talked about today, it challenges who and where we put our hope. So I pray it brings us hope and peace as we continue to have a deeper understanding of God's love for us. May we be people who live as the hope that comes in the resurrection of our bodies. And may we be people who live in the eternal life that is going to be even fuller in the everlasting life one day. And so as we close this morning, I would like us to say what we believe. So would you stand with me and benedict together to pray together these words of the Apostles' Creed join me. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven